This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. Celebrating Reunion Weekend, where alumni have gathered to reconnect and learn. This is a special presentation of Dollars and Change. With your hosts, Wharton Social Impact Initiative Managing Director, Cheryl Kuhlman, and Senior Director of Impact Investing, Nick Ashburn. Welcome to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School and Sirius XM 111. I'm Cheryl Kuhlman. And I'm Nick Ashburn. And we are here We, we are here for our special reunion show. We usually are, are live every Thursday morning, 8 to 10 a.m., but this time we are here with alumni in the midst of all the festivities and bringing alumni in to talk about social impact. Absolutely. Campus is so gorgeous right now. I mean, it's a little overcast today, but it's green. All It's decorated. Blooms, lots of blue and red. Lots of people. Yeah. Blue and red forever or red and blue forever. I can't remember <laughs> what our, our theme song is. Do that. So I want to give you just... Just a, a, a highlight of this uh, shortened live show. Um, our first guest who's joined us in the studio is Samra Heather, who is the National Director at the Center of Employment Opportunities. Then about quarter past the hour, Ashley Bittner from Owl Ventures. Um, Ashley was uh, an early um, participant in a number of Wharton Social Impact Initiative activities, and so we're delighted to bring her back. And then at the bottom of the hour, we will welcome Lori Nishura McKenzie of the Stanford University's Clayman Institute for Gender Research and the Stanford Center for Women's Leadership. And she'll be here as well. Actually, everyone's live. Often we have people calling in, but they're all, they're they're all, all here, here in the studio. Now. So good. Samra, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's, how's, how long has it been since you've been back on campus? I think I think since my five year, ah. so I'm, this is my ten year. So okay. yeah, it's been a while. So good, welcome back. So tell us a little bit about what the Center for Employment Opportunities does. So we work exclusively with men and women coming home from incarceration, and we're providing them employment services. So what we do, they come home within, you know, come to us within ninety days of release, and we employ them. So we run businesses throughout the country oh. across twenty offices. Um, we get them acclimated to the world of work quickly by working for us. But what we're trying to do is get them jobs outside of our organization, permanent employment. But that process that we do that has been evaluated to also show that it reduces recidivism. So we're this great sort of cost benefit to a lot of places. When you when you think about your time at Wharton <laughs> and, and to be running an organization like this and, and being so prominent there – I mean, what was that path like? And, and, you know, I don't think the Wharton Social Impact Initiative quite existed when you were here. No. no. Um, and, but now we see a lot of social impact interest from the, the undergraduate and MBA students at Wharton. So just curious to hear more about your path to get there. Yeah, yeah, I know. And it's awesome to see everything that's happening. So when I, you know, I was a management consultant before business school, and I knew I wanted to go into sort of the nonprofit space after business school. But to me, I literally thought, oh, I'll be like CFO of the Red Cross. Like, I had no idea what that meant. And when I was there, it was things were happening, but it was still, you know, maybe like 15 students out of a class of 800 who yeah. even slightly cared. Kind of about hiding this. in the corner. Yeah. yeah. And exactly. Cheryl's class of 2001. Yeah. So yeah. she has that very same much experience. like yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was like, you know, the group that did care really, you know, it was great, but it was small. So there was an internship opportunity with an organization called Red F, and they are a venture philanthropy fund that 
uh, funds organizations like CEO that have uh, social purpose businesses that are aimed at employment. So they have actually a great MBA internship program that's very structured. It's it's not like, oh, you're just going to a random office. It's really um, you know, around leadership development. So I did that, which was very transformative for me. Because it kind of opened my eyes to a lot of different ways you can use your business background. You don't just have to think, oh, it has to be in finance or it has to be investing. And I think that's such an important point because, I mean, I think especially uh, when, when you were looking for jobs and internships, but even more so now, the innovation and the opportunities and different paths in are so profound. It used to be just, you know, I started off as a grant writer because yeah. that that seemed to work, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and, and it sounds like, you know, when you were an MBA, you know, it, it was like, do I – Go back to management consulting. Do I do finance? Probably like a lot of your peers. Or if I care about social impact, it's government or nonprofits. Right. Yeah. And Red F, especially at that point, pretty innovative and, and a yeah. different different model than you would normally think of. Definitely, definitely. And so I ended up being very lucky that I was able to get a job at Red F when I left uh, business school. So I did that for about five years. Um, opened our office in Los Angeles and really got much more in sort of a mission area space. And when I moved back to New York, I actually still thought, well, you know, maybe it's still more economic development. I don't actually care that much about the mission. It's more about the business side of it, whatever that means. And so <laughs> I, I took a job, and I really missed, like, the the mission impact, like helping people change their lives around. And so at CEO, this job opened up to run the national uh, enterprise. Um, and so I decided to take that, and it's been great. And that's a, a very interesting um, awareness because I think a lot of people – find the job satisfaction important. Yeah. And, and that sounds trivial, but it really is the case more and more people are saying it's it's something that I really want to to hold on to and I'm glad that there are more opportunities for uh for finding that. So at CEO, what's your uh, what's give me an example of of somebody who's sort of been really uh, the kind of poster child for this the work that you're doing. Yeah, so I mean, we are working with, uh, actually I can talk, we opened our Philadelphia office in 2016, so we work with, um, you have an office here, and so one of the uh, individuals who came to our program had been sentenced as a juvenile, so he was sentenced uh, for a life sentence uh, at the age of like 16 wow. for actually being a accessory to murder. Mm. Um, recently, the state of Pennsylvania said that anyone who is sentenced for life as a juvenile, that's cruel and unusual punishment or something like that, and he has to be released. So this is a person who was sentenced at 16 in, like, 1985 oh my. is coming out needing to find a job. He doesn't – the internet, computers, you know, hearing the person on the bus tell you the stops, all that is very new to them. So he comes to us, and what we're just trying to do is give him a soft landing into what it's, the expectations are going to be like. You know, it, you know, yes, we are employing them. We are providing real work. But – we understand that there might be mistakes that happen. And so we're trying to get them both the confidence to do well in a job, but also help them with their resume, their interview prep, figure out what jobs they want. And so that's the type of person we have probably doesn't have any you know, education, little to none, um, uh, little to no work experience. So we're really dealing with a high-risk, high-need population. And so the, the kind of businesses that are employing these folks, so what, what are they? So the ones CEO runs are pretty, like, basic labor, uh -huh. like maybe cleaning up, you know, locust walk, like providing sort of beautification services, litter abatement, some property mm -hmm, management. Mm -hmm. But the jobs we're getting them outside, especially with the economy sort of on the upswing are, you know, warehousing, construction, um, retail. And so we're seeing, I mean, it's still hard. These, you know, incarceration and poverty are very yeah. entrenched. But we are seeing more path to getting, you know, into, especially in sort of construction and, and that sector where it's more sort of friendly for people with convictions, that you actually can 
start out working at CEO at like a sort of lower wage and get up to, you know, $25 an hour, which, you know, is, is good advancement. And we had Carla Javits on from, she's a she's CEO like and mentor, president yeah. of Red F. And one of the things she had mentioned is that because they've been doing this so long and they had great success with the training and getting people adapted, they have partners who are willing to hire, right? So you kind of, you had that soft launch into somebody who said, I've worked with you before. I trust that somebody coming from your organization is going to be someone I can trust. Yeah, and Samra, I wanted to pick up sort of on that thread because I think for whether it's through Dollars and Change or our own work at the Wharton Social Impact Initiative, we've I feel like we've come across more and more organizations, nonprofit or businesses, that are really focused on employment for formerly incarcerated persons. So what's the trend or what are you seeing there? Definitely um, a, a major trend, happily a bipartisan trend. Like everyone understands that people are going to be coming home and what we're trying to do is change the narrative. These are not people who have this bad mark on their history. These are people that can help your growth as a business, that, that they are kind of economic tools that you can use. And so we're seeing that a lot, a lot of big companies signing pledges, lots of states banning the box, like you can't have a box about someone's criminal conviction. So definitely a lot of movement in the right direction, which is which is great for us. You're listening to Dollars and Change on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. We're talking with Samra Heather, who is a Wharton grad 08 and national director of the Center for Employment Opportunities. And so, you know, we talked a little bit about your background and thinking now about your role at um, CEO, the Center for Employment Opportunities. Um, what is most exciting to you right now, you know, as the national director, this rollout? What, what's really exciting and um, sort of on the horizon for the organization? Yeah. Um, so we, you know, because uh, we are the largest national uh, reentry, employment reentry provider. So we're the, one of the few organizations that has evidence, you know, been rigorously evaluated to show that we work and that we can scale. And I've sort of been leading that scaling in a lot of ways. And so what's really exciting is people come to us, you know, we had had this strategic plan that we got to go, we're gonna have to knock on doors to try to grow. But really, it's been kind of easy people calling us to say, we want this in our city, we want this here. And so what's exciting is that there's, there's a way that we could actually get and whether it's us providing TA to another organization, but potentially technical assistance. Techni- we, sorry. We, we like to break <laughs> down the acronyms. Here. We could provide technical assistance in a smaller city, but could we potentially get to a place where, you know, there is a job through like CEO's transitional employment model for anyone coming home who wants to work? Like really, and that's a huge vision, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that one of the things, and, and Nick, it goes to your point. I think people are recognizing if you change the narrative and you stop thinking about people coming out of prison as as a waste and a, and a danger returning right. back to the community instead as an asset that needs to be developed. It really is, it, it, it changes the sense about why this is important to do, right? It's not just preventing a negative, it's gaining a positive. Right. And so let's put our Wharton hats on for a second and think well, about, <laughs> you know, are you fully grant funded? What's the revenue business model for a CEO? Yeah, so so the work that we do, that's earned revenue. So we do not do free work. We work, we try to partner with, uh, it's mostly public sector agencies, but more and more the private sector to say, you need a consistent workforce to do this work for you, so hire CEO. So that earned revenue we get from our social enterprise is usually about kind of 40 45% of okay. our budget. Then, you know, it sounds, a lot of people think you don't want to get government funding, but for us, government funding is actually a very stable, consistent funding stream. So um, there's a lot of different types of government funding streams that we access. A, a big one is like um, SNAP, which is commonly known as food stamps, uh, has a lot of employment and training funding connected to it. Oh, and I that's actually that. a very kind of robust 
funding stream that isn't drawn down a lot. So we access things like that. So government funding um, usually represents another sort of 40, 45%. So then we're only trying to rely on philanthropy for about, you know, 10 to 15% of our budget. It's great. It's nice to have that, you know, mark from philanthropy, but we know it's not sustainable to accept, expect our entire, um, sort of revenue stream to be coming from, from philanthropy. And, um, we often talk about some of the kind of innovative and different approaches to financing and social impact bonds or pay for success. Has that been something your organization has been involved with or considered? Yeah, CEO is actually one of the first organizations to undergo a pay-for-success project in New York State uh, through the Department of Labor. So I think we're still in the middle of that. You know, it was good. It was hard. Um, And not, not, you know, because so much of it was about sort of the design of how you're going to actually track what's happening. And it just put a lot on us, and it's a lot of pressure. I think think there's a world, there's a a vision for pay-for-success that might be slightly tapered down, but still the spirit of sort of paying for outcomes, paying for performance, but maybe not so fancy and yeah. just sort of a little bit more straightforward. Well, and I think one of the things that I liked about the the pay for success model was the sense of the recognition that effective nonprofits spend a lot of time fundraising, right? Yeah. And if there was some way that you could free them from that, give them some revenue that they had some certainty about, then they could really dive down and do more of the good work that they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And that we have a lot of success with um, pay-for-performance contracts. So in a lot of places, you know, we can't draw down the full amount of the money until we actually perform. And it's not, you know, it doesn't go through an evaluation. It still sort of outputs a little bit, but they're sort of more meaningful, like, did you place people in jobs? So we have more of that. And so we we like that for us. It's it's a good kind of uh, performance metric to have. So I guess we don't have a ton of time left in in this segment, but you know, what are you most excited about being back on campus, connecting with people? What what's but exciting? Obviously, being on dollars and being change. Being on dollars and change. No, it exactly. is. I, I honestly, it's true. You know, I, it makes me so happy. And with, even with Red F, I always interview MBAs, and just to see how many more people, not just are saying I want to go into this space, but it's just in everyone's mind whether you go into it or not. I mean, that makes me so happy because I just don't think it should be this exclusivity to like. People who are good at, you know, quote unquote business skills only go into like business, traditional business like that to me is so silly. Like if you're good at strategy, leadership, teamwork, like more of that should be you know, solving all the problems, not just, um, you know, ones in a certain sector. So, yeah, it very much warms my heart to see how much progress has been made. It's awesome. Yeah, it's, it is amazing. We have um, continued interest year after year. More students want involvement. And I think what's what's um, what I'm liking about what I see from the students is that for them, they're seeing this as a source of innovation. They're seeing this as an opportunity to problem solve, but then also really just sort of say, what can we change? What are our assumptions and how are we going to rethink them? And how might that get more money to where it needs to go, make more organizations really effective? It's 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 very much a kind of exciting uh, situation. I tell people I'm a recovering pessimist as a result of this job, <laughs> as a result. Yeah. Well, and I'm struck, too, um, for our listeners listening to us live on the radio, we also are pumping the, the sound out here at Wharton, oh, so yeah. outside. <laughs> so hopefully our Wharton alumni are also listening to how they can make a difference with their business Pretzels and beers out there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, in thirty seconds or more, what would you, what advice would you give to the uh, the incoming MBAs who are thinking, <laughs> what are they going to do? Ooh, I mean, I would just keep keep your options open, and I think really think about you know what what 
makes you what, where do you thrive like what makes you happiest in what you're doing and there are ways to do you know bring it all together I didn't think I could take you know I'm good at math I'm good at you know consulting I didn't think I could kind of get to where I needed to be around helping people and I think there's a lots of ways to do it so just be the creative selves that you are and and give yourself the patience over these two years to think it through excellent excellent for more guest interviews check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play